Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine podcast. This is episode 63. I'm your host, Riley. Very quiet week in golf, folks. The Zozo Championship. Obviously, Hideki Matsuyama gets a win. Um, That was the storyline we were looking for really going into last week. I know we didn't talk about him a bunch going into the Zozo, but he was the runner-up at that golf course back in 2019 at Tiger Woods. He's obviously the hometown hero over there in Japan. He's now a major championship winner, so that only adds to the storyline. But we're not really going to talk about the Zozo like a whole lot. Um, This is all we're really going to talk about just because, I don't know, it just wasn't, uh, I mean, to start off, I didn't watch a second of it, so that'll do it. But a lot of the big names ended up not really playing that well, which is a little bit of a bummer, right? You wish that the leaderboard was stacked up with a lot of good guys. But, I mean, after Hideki at 15 under, it was Brandon Steele, Cameron Jingali, Mackenzie Hughes, Matt Wallace, Lanto Griffin, Keegan Bradley, Luke List. Um, Tommy Fleetwood actually played pretty well. He was T7. Colm Morikawa had a good good last three days. T7 as well, right, with Tommy. But outside of that, you had you had some of the really big names actually really struggle. I know... Um, Will Zalatoris played like garbage for most of the week. He shot a 60 or a 76, 73 in the middle of that week. So that's a little bit, you know, of a bummer. I actually thought he had a pretty decent chance of winning. I thought the golf course set up for him to win or have a good shot to win just because, you know, driving distance, he can get out there. But iron play is just, is just really needed over there. And he's one of the best iron players on the planet, obviously. Thought he had a good chance to win. Ricky Fowler was T44. Pat Perez was T44. Harry Higgs, who I thought actually had a really good shot of winning that golf tournament, was also down there. Um, plus two for the week, T39. So just not a whole lot going on, honestly, over in Japan last week. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. Obviously, the the storyline is a good one. Hideki winning in front of the home crowd, first time as a major champion. Masters champion, but yeah, not not a whole lot to whole, whole lot to talk about. If it was entertaining at all, I know Cameron Chingali made it a little interesting. What was that? Technically, our Friday night, but the third round, Hideki made a bogey on the last. Cameron Chingali made a birdie on the last um, to get within one, and then Hideki kind of just pulled away on on Sunday and ended up winning by five shots. So we're not going to really talk about the Zozo. Uh, Jin Young Ko in the LPGA Tour won again. I think this is her third win in six starts or third win in seven starts, something ridiculous. She is slated to overtake Nelly Cords for the number one player in the world. So shout out, shout out Jin Young Ko. We've been talking about her a little bit on the show over the last month or so. She's been absolutely red hot. 
I've been writing like LPGA senior tour recaps and that kind of stuff, those sort of recaps for golf week now. And so I'm spending a lot more time, you know, talking about the LPGA tour and the seniors tour and all that kind of stuff. So seeing Jin Young Ko, what she's been doing over the last month or so is absolutely ridiculous. So she gets another win. She's your new women's number one player in the world. Um, Bert Harn Langer gets the job done at the Dominion Energy Charity Classic. No surprise. I mean, Bernhard Langer just wins on the senior tour. That's all he does. It's pretty ridiculous, actually. Phil Mickelson, for the first time seemingly in his senior tour career, um, didn't win. It seems like every time he plays on that tour, he gets the win, but he did not this time around. Bernhard Langer wins in a playoff, actually, I believe. So that's what's going on there. But before we get into um, the Bermuda Championship and all that fun stuff, it's, it's officially, your guys can read my the in-depth preview going out later for the Bermuda championship. But the first line of that article is literally it's that time of year for golf fans. Like there's just nothing going on. Um, luckily we have football or whatever, but before we get into the Bermuda, I actually got emailed a question, um, about just the swing. Um, as you guys know, if you haven't been listening to twilight nine for a while or don't know, uh, my background in golf or whatever, um, I actually passed the PAT scoring ability test, whatever you want to call it, back in 2019 and turned pro. I've given lessons. I worked online, given lessons under uh, Scratch Golf Academy. If you guys know Adam Basilget or Jet, I don't even know how to pronounce his fucking last name, but that guy, I worked under him for a little bit. Um, but that's kind of my background. So I got, I forget the kid's name. I think it was Brian. Emailed me a question um, about the transition. And I thought it was actually really good to talk about it on the show because that's one of the changes that I've been going through with my swing recently. And I want to just kind of give out what I've been trying to do. So what happens in my golf swing sometimes is I know my takeaway is pretty solid. My backswing overall is pretty solid. But what happens when my ta- when my transition gets really bad and out of sync really is it's that lack of going to a swing feel that I know will put the club in my arms in a good position on the way down. And what happens is my hands drop way behind me and all of a sudden I'm just really stuck and I have to rely on just really transitioning to my lead side to get my arms recovered or I got to flip my hands over at impact. And from time and time again, I can hit good shots, but overall that's just not a position that you want to play golf in. So pretty much for the summer, I've been trying to find that feeling, a good feeling of getting my arms in the club head in and just the shaft really in a better position on the way down. And this question I thought was very well timed because last week or two weeks ago, I was at the range and I actually started to kind of drill in this feeling in transition. And it actually came from a video I saw Trot do for TaylorMade. I forget, I think it was Aaron Rodgers was getting set up for clubs with TaylorMade and he was like trying to coach him through getting a little bit um, better of attack angle with driver and all that kind of stuff. But he just dropped in. It wasn't something part of the lesson. It wasn't anything that had to do with really with Rodgers' swing. It was just kind of one of those off, off comments that kind of resonated in my head. And he said... We want to get the club into, they were talking about a certain position on the way back and on the way down, he said, I really want you to fire your rib cage. And I don't know if I've ever heard it explained like that. And what I found is I was at the, this was months ago that I started playing around with that feeling. 
And you get to the top of the swing, and when you feel like the first thing that moved is your rib cage, right? First of all, that's going to eliminate the over the top because the over the top is when that back shoulder gets a little too active. You're trying to get hands or you're trying to get speed rather with your hands. And if you feel like everything stays still except you firing your rib cage, right, and opening up your chest a little bit, and that in turn kind of opens up your hips because that's all kind of connected, right? When you fire your ribs, your hips are going to open a little bit. And I found that that is just a really good swing thought to have to start your downswing. It just really, really is a good transition swing thought. And I didn't really put a lot into it. Like it worked for me, but I had something in place um, already that I wasn't going to go to that. But I just thought, man, that is just a really good way to get everything back out in front of you on the way down and pretty much hit any shape you want. Month or two goes by and we're probably, I don't know, a month, a month ago and game was like really struggling. When I tell you my game was terrible, like averaging, I don't even know. And this is coming from like, I used to be, I mean, I was shooting probably low seventies on a regular, regular basis. Um, more in the, in the high, like 77 to 79 was pretty much my average score. Obviously I can still shoot like 85 with the best of them, but I was going through a portion where I was shooting like 45s and like 43s and that kind of shit. And I usually don't do that. And it wasn't the short game. I knew it wasn't the short game. It was pretty much just everything else. And if anything, my short game was actually saving me a little bit, like being able to chip well, putt well, hit 10 footers and all that kind of stuff. But And then I went to the range like two weeks ago and I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring a tripod. I'm going to bring my phone. I'm just going to try to figure out a swing feel to get me unstuck and get me back out in front of me a little bit. And I went to the rib cage thing again, right? Get an athletic posture, take your takeaway, get to the top, and then feel as though you just fire your rib cage and everything kind of comes underneath that afterwards, right? You don't want that over the top motion. You want to stay... You just want to stay in plane and fire that rib cage and then rotate underneath everything and attack the ball from the inside, whatever. It was going okay, but with my grip, I've kind of changed over the last year from primarily hitting a draw to actually primarily hitting a cut. I feel like I can control the amount um, a ball cuts compared to the amount a ball draws. I think a cut is just a lot more easier to control. So I went to a cut. And I found that with the grip that I'm having right now, which is a little bit on the weaker side and then trying to hit from the inside and hit a draw, I was just kind of hitting a lot of pushes that weren't coming back. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do the, let's try to find a rib cage movement, but let's try to come a little bit more. I, I don't want to say over the top of the golf ball, but you know what I mean? A little bit more outside to in and let's try to hit a little pull cut. So instead of, my rib cage being the thing that fires, I almost felt like when I got to the top of my swing that the bottom of my lead shoulder blade, which is my, which is my left because I'm a righty, the bottom of my lead shoulder blade was the first thing to rotate. And then, and then you just can rotate through the golf ball. And what I found is obviously the higher you make your focus rotation point, whatever you want to call that, right? Rib cage, shoulder blade, shoulder, whatever you want to call it. The higher that point is on your body, the more likely than not that you're going to produce a cut shot, right? That's the only thing that makes sense. If you really think about it, if you do it on your shoulder to the first thing that rotates, what's the first thing that's going to happen? That back shoulder is going to come over the top and you're going to hit a pull, pull slice or whatever. But 
with my lower shoulder blade being the first part, not all of a sudden the club head isn't being delivered from the inside. It's actually slightly outside and then add that with my weaker grip, but still being able to close the club face at impact. I got this perfect little pull cut that I've been hitting for the past couple weeks. And that little change to the already existing swing thought that I had in my brain was perfect. And I thought this email from this, I think it was Brian. So shout out Brian for sending it in, but he was looking for a feeling during transition to go to, to just make sure everything gets in the right place. And I really do think that instead of thinking about that, your front knee, like squatting and opening or a bump to your left side or dropping your hands or all this kind of stuff that really has to rely on a lot of timing, right? If you can just get to the top of your swing, if you hit a draw, say, get to the top of your swing and fire and open up your rib cage and then just rotate through the golf ball. Kind of forget about your hands, forget about your shoulders, forget about everything else. Just focus on feel a pause slightly at the top. Obviously, we're not talking high decky, but slightly pause at the top and then fire rib cage and then rotate everything underneath that. Or like I do a little bit at the bottom of my shoulder blade, fire that and then rotate through the golf ball and don't be afraid to feel like you're going to pull it because with a weaker grip, it is going to cut back and that is a very easy shot to control. I just thought that was a perfect little thing to share on the show today because it was perfectly timed. I just went through it and it's just really good. So shout out Trot for putting that image in my head. And I don't even think he was really like trying to change Roger's swing. I don't think that was it at all. I think he was just trying to give him a little bit of like a like a visual. But to me, my mind just immediately went to, man, I wonder if I got to the top of my swing, if I felt like I was firing my rib cage, if that was a good way to try to get my arms back out in front of me. And it really was. And then just because I want to play a cut, I went a little bit higher on the body to like lower shoulder blade. And man, did that work. And it worked for pretty much every club. I try to cut everything. Um, obviously, wedges aren't going to cut as much as a lot of the clubs in your bag. Um, a driver's more than likely going to cut more just because obviously the lower club you go, the less loft correctness, if you want to say that, whatever. But trying to play a cut, that feeling gave me that sensation a lot and pretty much up and down the bag. Aside from driver, I'm very strange. I try to cut everything. And then when it comes to driver, I try to hit it. I, I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but I try to hit it pretty straight. I know that's going to sound a lot of, uh, kind of ridiculous to a lot of people, but some people automatically go to a cut off the tee. Some people automatically go to a draw off the tee. I just try to hit it as straight as possible and try to take all the curve out of it. I know that's a ridiculous thing to say. That's usually just my go-to. But with driver, I haven't really tested this this swing thought out yet. But if you are struggling out there with trying to find a good feel in the transition, I feel like that is a really good one. And it is definitely worth your time to go to the range and really try that one out. Because after a summer of pretty mediocre golf, uh, very excited to get out here even though the weather is really, really bad right now. Um, hopefully over the next month, we get some more fall weather and 50, 60 degree weather, go out there and play some golf before the winter comes because I'm pretty excited about this swing change. So hopefully out there, if you're um, looking for something, there you go. But that is my that is my um, golf spiel for the day, just because I didn't really want to talk about the Zozo. And there wasn't really much to talk about the Zozo, to be completely honest. So that was my golf knowledge spiel for the day. So hopefully that helps somebody out there. But yeah, it's it's definitely worth it. It, it worked for me. 
Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure if you give it a try and that's another thing like that, you can just don't do that. Like in the middle of your round, like don't hear that and be like, man, I'm going to try that tomorrow morning when I tee it up with the buddies. Don't do that. Go to the range first, like two or three times and really like try to cement that feeling if that's what you want to try to go to. And if it works for you for the first time around, definitely don't step up to the first box on one and be like, you know what? Riley told me to open up my rib cage. Let me open up my rib cage. It's not going to work. You got to go practice it a little bit. Um, but after a couple of rain sessions, it helped me a shit ton. So hopefully it can help you too. But after that spiel, we can jump into the uh, Bermuda Championship uh, preview and all that kind of stuff. It is now called the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. The maybe the most ridiculous name in golf. I know a lot of people like to get on the tournaments that are like the World Golf Classic Championship Workday Charity Open at Concession or whatever the fuck it was when Morikawa won. It's ridiculous. Um, but this one is just the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. Like that that sounds like even less than like a Corn Ferry Tour event. That sounds like a Florida like AAA. It's a Butterfield Bermuda Championship. Not great. Um, but like I said at the stop of the show, this is it's just that time of year for golf fans. I mean, we got like the Bermuda Championship, we got the like the Houston Open coming up. I think it's the Houston Open. I don't know. We just got a lot of shitty golf. We got like the QBE shootout with 24 teams and nobody plays in it. Really not looking forward to the next couple months golf wise. Luckily, we have football. Luckily, the NFL's on. Luckily, college football basketball is back hockey's back so it's kind of the perfect timing for golf kind of be shitty for the next couple weeks but i mean the golf stars are on vacation like you're not going to see rory you're not going to see jt most likely you might see jordan down in texas but like the boys are on vacation for the next couple my uh couple months and that leaves us golf fans uh with nothing to watch on the weekends well except football but for golf fans you don't have a lot to watch it's that time of year but last season brian gay Broke a winless drought going back to, I believe, 2013. He was 48 years old at the time. That added to a long list eventually of players over 40 to win last year. Um, Stuart Sink a couple times. Phil, obviously, at the PGA Championship. Brian Gay. There was a good amount of um, 40-plus guys to win on the PGA Tour last year. And Brian Gay, I believe, was the second one because I think Stuart won the first event of the year. Golf course, Port Royal GC, par 71, 6,828 yards. Very short. It's actually the longest golf course on the island, but for the PGA Tour, that is a ridiculously short golf course. Um, for them, they rely on the weather, and it is going to be really windy this week, but I mean, like a 6,800 golf course, like I could go out. I mean, I'm not going to shoot 15 under like these guys are, but I mean, that's a golf course that I is well in my comfort zone of going out and to play comfortably. Robert Trent Jones design, so it's like, okay. Uh, Bermuda Greens, which is going to factor in this week. A lot of guys, some guys love Bermuda, some guys hate Bermuda. Um, we got a couple guys. Uh, we only have two players to watch later in the show, but both of those guys usually play pretty well on Bermuda. The weather. Uh, it does it does not look great, if I'm going to be honest. Tuesday, showers, 90% chance of rain, with blowing 25 out of the south-southwest. Wednesday, a.m. thunderstorms and winds, 72% chance of rain, blowing 28 out of the west-southwest. Thursday is p.m. showers and wind, 
39% chance of rain, blowing 26 miles an hour out of the west. Friday, mostly cloudy, 12% chance of rain, blowing 14 out of the west. Saturday, scattered thunderstorms, 57% chance of rain, blowing 16 out of the south-southwest. And Sunday is thunderstorms, 82% chance of rain, blowing 18 out of the south-southwest. So the weather, less than ideal earlier in the week. So hopefully it gets a little bit better. Hopefully it's projected to get a little bit better, but it is going to be rainy on from Tuesday to Thursday, and then it blows pretty much all week. So it's going to be a tough, especially Thursday. Thursday might be an absolute bloodbath. If you, if they can uh, survive Thursday and then get into Friday, the wind dies down a lot, and then Sunday we're going to get rained on, but hopefully it doesn't extend into uh, next week. A couple key stats for this week. Driving accuracy is going to be incredibly important. Uh, this The short golf course, the only thing... That is defenses. You got to hit fairways because the rough around this golf course is actually kind of tough to get into. It kind of nestles down. If you guys have played like Florida golf courses before, some of that rough, it's not like thick New England rough where it's long and like think Wingfoot. It's it's just like grabby and spongy and it's kind of hard to get out of. So you need to hit the fairway. I mean, you can get out of the rough, but you're not going to be able to get out of it with a lot of accuracy. Like it's going to be a lot of hit and hope kind of thing so if you hit fairways it kind of takes that aspect out of it and again key stats we're gonna be looking at guys that really like bermuda greens like some guys hate them some guys love them the grain can make for a nightmare for some guys on the greens but other guys love it so one of our guys loves bermuda greens we're going to talk about it in a second but that is going to be a uh, key component for the week uh course fit data golf information number one is La Cantera GC. Number two is PGA West, the Palmer course. And number three is actually the concession golf club where they had the WGC uh, workday. Trending among the players in the field. This took me no less than 10 minutes to find because no one is playing in it. And that usually correlates with betting odds and trending or whatever. It took me forever to find this list. Number one is Hayden Buckley. His last three starts, miscut T4, T8. Number two is Christian Bezoidenhout. T58, that was on the Corn Ferry Tour. Solo third, that was also on the Corn Ferry Tour. And solo fifth, and that was on the Euro Tour. So we haven't seen Bazaden Hote in a while, but his last three starts are not on the PGA Tour. And number three is Seamus Powers, T31, miscut in T21. Percent chance to win based on course history, fit, all that kind of stuff. You guys know the drill. Number one, Matthew Fitzpatrick as 6.2%. Christian Bazaden Hote is at 4%. And number three is Seamus Powers at 3.6%. Betting odds. Odds provided by Typico Sportsbook. Access UATA Today's sports betting odds, a full list on our website. Number one, Matthew Fitzpatrick, plus 1,200. Christian Bezadenhout is at plus 1,500. Patrick Reed is at two. Mito Pereira is at two. Seamus Powers at three. Adam Hadwin's at three. Chad Ramey is at 3,000. I don't know who Chad Ramey is. Hayden Buckley's at three. Danny Willett is at four. And Russell Knox is at four. I know Danny Willett has been playing okay on the European tour. Uh, he's been, you know, dabbling. Um, on the PGA tour, it's tough when Danny Willett is inside your top 10 uh, odds-wise. You know that's probably, like, not a great field. So, I, you know, it's not a great. I don't love that. Anyway, a couple players to watch. Like I said, we only got two for the week, and then we'll get out of here just because just a really quiet week in golf. There's not much I can, not much I can say about it. Players to watch. Number one, the first one is actually going to be Matty Fitz. I know I don't like, I don't love highlighting the betting favorite. It's not something I do, obviously. I mean, if you bet on favorites, you could probably make an okay amount of money, but I mean, I don't love doing it just because there's not a lot of value, but it is really hard 
not to love Matthew Fitzpatrick this week. He was just at Valderrama. He won in Spain a couple weeks ago. He took on the trophy. And it is a little bit weird because you always see Matty Fitzpatrick really hanging up there on the European tour, even on the PGA tour, like harder events. He usually hangs in there, but he just has to get it done on some point at the PGA tour. He just got to. And this golf course has done it before. It's been it's broken winless droughts here before. Brian Gay, Brandon Todd. So hopefully, maybe this is the perfect place for Fitzpatrick to finally get it done, finally break down that door and get his first PGA Tour win. Last season, uh, he hit 68.3% of fairways. That was good enough for 17th on tour out of everybody. And then one of the... I'm not saying these golf courses are going to play any alike because really, I don't think they are. One is long as shit and hard, and this one is like short. I don't want to say easy, but it's easy if the wind doesn't blow, but the wind's going to blow, whatever. Three straight seasons, Matthew Fitzpatrick has a top 10 finish at the Arnold Palmer Invitational on those Bermuda Greens at Bay Hill. So he's shown that he has putted well on those. He has a good finish at the Players' Championship. He does not mind the Florida Greens at all. On top of that, Data Golf, like I mentioned already, likes concession as a course comparison this week. And at the WGC Workday Championship last season, which was played at that golf course, Fitzy finished T11. So I know that's a limited field. I know there was probably only, what, 70 guys, 80 guys. But we'll take a T11 from Matty Fitz on a good course comparison. We like that. And then the last thing is if the wind blows like it's projected to blow, which it is going to be really windy, especially on the first day on Thursday, I like Fitzy even more. He comes to play when the conditions are really shitty. He's just a grinder. He's a fantastic putter from 10 feet and in. So when he has those eight foot par putts that he needs to make, more than likely he is going to make them. So Matty Fitz uh, in tough conditions. I love the recipe, especially with him coming in, obviously in good form with a win a couple weeks ago. I think Matty Fitzpatrick could have a really good week in Bermuda, especially since like don't overlook the fact that also he's probably one of the most talented players in the field. That also has something to do with it, right? He's, I know this is like open to anybody. I think Todd won like when he was 80 to one a couple years ago, being the most talented player in the field coming in with good form means a lot at one of these tournaments that a lot of the guys playing in it are like new PGA tour members or guys you've never heard of before. That goes a long way. The second guy that we're going to look at, and this really based on just course history, is uh, Hank Labiota. We made, we've made some money on him at the end of last season. I know he's missed a bunch of cuts in a row, but I'm really not too worried about that. He's having a rough start to the season. He missed a cut at the Fortinet Championship and the Shriners Children's Open. Um, he was actually under par in both of those tournaments, but he missed a cut. Those are his only two starts of the new season. But quick note on the missed cuts. Brandon Todd coming into his win at the Bermuda Championship missed four out of his last five cuts. So I'm not too worried about it. This golf course is one that people have proven that you can turn it around on. So I'm really not worried about the missed cuts. The key for Labiota this week, however, is going to be hitting fairways. You just need to hit fairways around this golf course. And he's only hit 50% of them so far this season. And last season, he was like 61%. So if he can hit fairways... He's going to be in it because he ranked inside the top 50 last season in stroke scene approach. So his iron play is really good. You just got to hit fairways. Luckily for him, he can probably downsize. He can probably put the big head cover back on the driver and hit a lot of three woods around this place to really put emphasis on fairways just because it's a short golf course, right? 6,800 yards. You're probably going to be able to put three wood in your hand a lot. And it's not that big of a disadvantage. So if he can do that, if he can find fairways, his short game is good enough to win. I know he plays in Florida all the time, so he's going to be used to the greens. But again, I said this pick is mostly based off course history. 
Uh, back in 2019, he had a uh, tied for third here, and then last season he grabbed another another top 20 with a T16 performance. He's plus 5,000 to win. So if you want to grab him for like a top 30 finish, I like Hank this week. I think this is a golf course he can bounce back on. He hasn't played since the Shriners. That was a couple weeks ago. Hopefully he's taken the last couple weeks to kind of rein it back in and get back into some form. He's got good game. I like Hank this week. I think he could be in for a good one. But uh, But yeah, going through it, I know it was a shorty this week, but yeah, going through it, I think um, those are really the only two guys that popped out in my mind. Um, I know Patrick Reed is going to be there. We haven't seen a whole lot from Patrick Reed recently. Um, Seamus Powers has been playing good golf. Um, but yeah, nothing nothing really stood out in my mind this week. But that's all we got. I know it's a short show, but nothing really going on on the PGA Tour. That's all we got for the week. Um and I would say enjoy the golf this week, but I shit. I don't know if you'll if you'll watch the Bermuda, maybe just play some bets and then focus on football for the weekend. That's probably what I'm going to be doing. Um, if I have, if I get, end up getting a couple outright bets that I really like, I'll tweet them out or share them. Whoever DMs me, if they if they want them, but yeah, guys, that's the show for the week. Um, Instagram is at Twilight Nine Pod. Follow that if you want to follow the show. At Riley Hamill underscore is both my Instagram and my Twitter. If you want to follow me in both places. But yeah, that's it, guys. So enjoy the golf this weekend if you guys watch it. Enjoy the football this weekend that I'm sure that you're going to watch at some point. Um, and actually, before we let you, uh, before I let you guys go, if you go to the range in the next couple weeks, um, if you have time and try that swing tip, um, reach out to me if it ends up working because I would love to maybe even just put together like a nice little four or five minute like visual video of like what I'm kind of talking about. So you can maybe see it visually, but if you can kind of get it in your head over the demonstration, I don't want to say demonstration description that I just did like 20 minutes ago and it works at the range for you, send me an email. Um, our Hamill at golfweek.com is a good one to get me at now. Send me an email. Let me know if it works. Uh, maybe if I get enough people to reach out, I'll make like a quick like five five minute video on it and see if uh, you visual learners will get it a little bit better there. I know I'm a visual learner. I have to see it a lot more time. I have to see it first before I can go out and do it. So if that can help some people, it's a good one. It has worked a lot. So reach out to me if that works. If you go to the range, if you shoot a career low 65 and it's all on me, I would love to hear that. But yeah, guys, that's it. So thank you guys for listening and I will talk to you guys next week. Peace.